0: everyone welcome to what really works a mental health podcast for young adults and youth in these podcasts you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in what really works is brought to you by discovery college an initiative run by the canadian mental health association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do now let's get started with today's episode
1: Hello, What Really Works listeners. I hope you all are having a fantastic day so far. Hey, Becky, how's it going? I'm
0: doing good. I am very excited for today's podcast.
1: Oh, yeah? Why are you excited?
0: I am very excited about this topic, which is going to be all about people-pleasing. I'm super excited because we have a guest which is super open about her experiences with this and also the fact that I am definitely guilty of doing a little bit too much people-pleasing too. So I think it's, again, I'm just excited to be kind of learning and sharing about it.
1: Also, this guest happens to be a very wonderful friend of ours, so that makes it a little bit more fun for us. We would like to introduce you to our wonderful friend, Sonia. Hello, hello.
2: My name's Sonia and I work for CMHA as well. I'm the volunteer coordinator and I thought that I'd come here today and share my experiences of people pleasing with these lovely ladies.
0: Question for you, Sonia. Icebreaker. Uh-huh. To get our listeners to know you really well. I'm at the edge of my seat here. It's going to be a big question. What's your favorite fruit?
2: (laughs) I think I'm going to say peaches because they're fluffy and cute but nutritious and delicious. I love how that rhymes. (laughs) I did plan it, I can't lie.
1: (laughs) Don't let the listeners know. The listeners can't know that we plan our podcast ahead of time. This is just a conversation. (laughs) Off the cuff, everything's off the cuff. Well, speaking of off the cuff, Becky. Yes? What's your favorite fruit? Oh, this is off the cuff.
0: Um, A cantaloupe melon.
1: What the heck is a cantaloupe (laughs) Isn't you mean what know? cantaloupe. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, everyone, Olivia's being really mean about my accent. So. <laughs> sorry, sorry, not being supportive. Um, cantaloupes are great. Cantaloupes are probably just as great. But well, Olivia,
2: what's your favorite fruit?
1: <laughs> Pineapples, because just like me, they are sweet on the inside once you kind of dig deep. But on the outside, they're pretty spiky and rough and tough looking. All right. I'm going to say maybe let's get stuck into what people are here for. People aren't here to talk about fruit? I don't think so. Okay, let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about people pleasing. What is people pleasing, Becky? What's it? Give us a definition. All right, so as a general definition, what we kind of the definition we'll be using today,
0: because um, there are a lot of different kind of explanations of what people pleasing is or what it means. So what we're chatting about today is people's behavior. And that behavior is looking like people wanting everyone around them to be happy and doing anything to be able to keep those people happy. So what it is, is it's putting everyone's needs and their wants way before yours to a point where you're not even meeting your own needs. It also can look like a real personal need to contribute to other people's lives, a real personal need to make sure that they're happy, not upset, to a point that being able to do that to a person actually makes you... as a person, feel needed. It makes you, as a person, feel fulfilled, which in turn can have an impact on our well-being, right? And it's definitely on a scale, and we'll kind of get stuck into what I mean about saying people-pleasing is on a scale in a little bit.
1: I think it's worth mentioning that we can all be people-pleasers at some moments or other moments, but like with the scale that you're mentioning, there are various degrees of how much you are actively trying to please people and whether or not that is impacting your wellness and one of the reasons that we were so excited to have Sonia on the podcast today is because she's openly expressed that people pleasing is something that impacts her wellness Um, so how do we really decide if it's something that impacts our wellness Sonia I don't know if you have any thoughts on that
2: Thanks, Olivia. Yeah, absolutely. So for me and my personal experience of people pleasing, what made me realize it was impacting my wellness is when I'm already feeling drained and emotionally exhausted. And actually what I need is to do something for myself. I will postpone that and I will put that on hold if someone else needs something. So for example, around six months ago, I was really poorly. I had like a cold, I had a headache, I was drained. And my friend needed some medication herself and instead of telling her that I was unwell and I couldn't do it I actually went out and I walked and I got this medication and I took it to my friend's house. I didn't have to do that it wasn't an expectation but I felt responsible once she asked me to do it to be able to do that for her to make her day better and actually I put doing something for her above doing something for myself. Um, I'm sure we all naturally do that from time to time, but I've noticed that for me, for example, it's it's almost a daily occurrence, and I think that's where I identified it's a problem, and I'm sure that some of the listeners here are resonating with that.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, how you were saying about everybody does it on some level, that's that scale that we're talking about is, you know, it's a real sliding scale. Nobody's going to be permanently in one area of people-pleasing, um, but for some people, you know, they kind of do it here and there when they maybe when their needs are already being met and um, whereas for other people maybe higher up on that scale of people pleasing like you say Sonia it's a, about putting the other person's needs before yours all the time even when you were feeling sick it was like I now feel responsible for this person when actually that wasn't your responsibility but you had that real need to be able to go do that
1: and I want to bring attention to the fact that a lot of people when people pleasing is becoming a problem is when you identify that you are feeling responsible for other people's thoughts and feelings and emotions. I know that for myself, I call it being a negative narcissist when someone is upset, when someone is sad, when someone is not feeling themselves. The way that I've identified that I tend to be a people pleaser is by blaming myself and automatically assuming that a person's emotions or state of being is due to something that I've done, right? It's my fault that they're sad. It's my fault that they're angry, even though actually I've done absolutely nothing wrong.
0: And I think that's important as well for us to maybe acknowledge is people act in a people pleasing way for very different reasons, right? So for me, I try to people please because I can't stand the idea of somebody being angry at me. So I'll do anything to avoid someone being angry at me, even if that means I become more and more angry internally myself and become more frustrated with myself because I'm not communicating my needs. I'm not setting my boundaries so I'm getting angry at it. But actually At the end of the day, I'm the one who's making myself angry and putting myself in that position because I'm just doing anything to avoid somebody being upset, angry, frustrated, irritated with me.
2: Um, another thing is like not wanting to admit to people when you're hurting. so you're actually putting your need and the fact that you've maybe been hurt by someone else on the sideline because you don't want to offend that other person. And I think that that becomes a real problem as well because like you're saying, that idea of kind of building anger and like resentment inside yourself because you're not directing those feelings anywhere and resolving them. you're kind of keeping all the negativity internally.
0: Yeah, and that must be exhausting right Uh (laughs) like it's exhausting constantly doing things for other people but never setting some time for yourself never doing a little bit of self-care for yourself never taking time to go okay like this is actually what I need this is what somebody's want is um yeah it must be exhausting to be even just constantly thinking about other people and their needs and their opinions and things like that
1: So when that starts to affect our wellness, right, when we are constantly thinking of others before ourselves, and that's taking its toll on our mental health and our self-care and our lives in general, what are some ways that we can begin to kind of tackle that? How can we make that a little bit better for ourselves?
0: I think a good place to start is identifying when we have a problem. So um, Sonia, it kind of sounds like you've started paving that path of identifying when people-pleasing is a problem?
2: I have indeed. I have indeed. I have been focusing and using different tools. So I was looking up uh, like cognitive behavioral therapy and short-term goals for myself. So at the moment, I'm using a criticism versus affirmation table. So for example, last week I put on there that I felt I was being too pushy about certain subjects to certain friends and actually on the flip side of that I could say that I'm being assertive I could say that I'm being confident and proactive Um, and actually even just that small practice every day is helping me learn to think of things in a new way and I'm sure that this is the beginning of you know a long process but it's definitely made a difference already that's amazing thank you for sharing that
1: Yeah, and what you're talking about is really important because it's self-affirmation. It's caring about ourselves. It's having compassion for ourselves. It's trying to switch that flip of people-pleasing. Often when you're a people-pleaser and you're trying to always think about other people's emotions, you tend to speak really badly about yourself in your head. So with what I was saying about being a negative narcissist, perhaps I think that um, someone is mad at me because I invited myself to an event rather than thinking that someone is mad at me for that. I think, no, that person's not mad at me. I'm not a bad person for inviting myself to an event. I'm actually confident. It's flipping that script and thinking positively about your actions and about yourself rather than always thinking in that negative framework. Yeah.
0: And that comes down as well to the fact that a person might identify that maybe they need to flip that Uh, mindset that thought process because maybe they've identified that their opinions of themselves come from the opinions of others about themselves or that need for validation from other people not from ourselves so things like self-affirmation that you are both talking about that is a great place to start when we've identified okay I'm people-pleasing because I need validation from others I'm not getting it from myself my emotional wellness is based on my latest interaction with other people, those self-affirmations and thinking, okay, that's maybe a negative criticism of myself. How can I think about that in a positive light?
2: I think that it's really, really hard to identify maybe what the cause of your own people-pleasing is, but using that is also a great tool to help you with what tools are going to help you to uh, to better yourself and to like, really try and overcome your people-pleasing. I mean even thinking, okay, I don't need to apologize that I've shared that with someone. Maybe I could thank them for listening instead and actually changing the atmosphere from a negative atmosphere into a positive atmosphere, even just through like use of word.
1: Another great way that we can begin to identify if we are people-pleasing and how we are people-pleasing is we looked up a really great article from it was psychology today. Yeah, psychology today, and it had ten different ways that people people please, and we've identified a few of them already. So we kind of went over the fact that some people people please because they feel responsible for other people's emotions, because they don't like people being angry at them, um, because they're seeking praise from others, or maybe because because you like me
0: and you can't stand the idea of somebody angry or frustrated or upset yourself.
1: Yeah, and maybe a great place to start is if you've, for the first time, kind of resonating with what we've been talking about already, is taking a look at that article and identifying some of the various ways that people will engage in people-pleasing um, and see what resonates with you. Yeah, and, you know, being
0: able to say, I remember Sonia was sharing... About reading that article with me. And Sonia, you were like, oh, some of the points were quite hard to read, right?
2: Uh huh. Yeah. It was kind of like taking a cold, hard look in the mirror because I read these, okay, there's 10 things here that show you're a people pleaser. And I thought nine of those feel almost like a personal characteristic of mine at this point. And actually, is that okay? No, it's not. And it's not okay because it's damaging me and it's it's draining me and I'm sure that a lot of other people probably feel the same way when they stumble acro- across something like this where it's actually put into context mm-hmm. yeah and
0: I guess when we maybe look at some different reasons as to why people please and maybe one really or a couple or them all stick out for us that can give us a really great place to start managing it or even just you know what not even managing it I think just even recognizing it is like the best first step right I always thought oh I was like yeah I'm pretty good with like my boundaries and I'm pretty good at saying no and then actually when we've been doing research even just for this like podcast to talk about people pleasing I've had a bit of a rude awakening of oh my boundaries aren't the best I'm not the best communicator I I say yes far more often than I want to and it's Made me to start thinking a lot more than I did before about the way that I interact with people, and also help me understand a little bit about maybe the reasons why sometimes I'm frustrated and angry is because I've said yes when all I wanted to do was say no.
2: It's really interesting you say that because I was actually reading just this morning about, for example, the idea of when you say no and you're a people pleaser that you need to be mindful not to have a load of reasons why you're saying no, because you don't actually owe that to anyone. And even that in itself and having that knowledge is really, really helpful. And I'm, I'm looking forward to implementing that. So, for example, would you like to come to my party next week? No, because I have to do this, this, this and this. And realizing and being aware and taking ownership of the fact that you do not own that explanation, you don't owe it to anyone, that explanation. And you can actually just say, no, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And actually, you don't have a duty to give somebody a tangible reason. Um, and that was really freeing, really, really freeing to read. And you think you know these things, but sometimes you actually don't.
0: And Olivia, I know you generally are quite good at being able to like set that boundary by saying no. So how do you do that? How might you word saying no to somebody?
1: My favorite thing to use when I'm saying no to somebody is remembering and saying in the back of my head that no is a complete sentence and recognizing that I'm going to make the situation less confusing for myself and less confusing for another person if I just say no. If I say no, I can't make it um, and not apologize for that. Remembering that Giving a lot of explanations might muddy the situation or make someone feel as though you're making excuses, which is actually worse than just saying, I can't or I don't want to or no or something along those lines. One of the things that I did want to mention, though, is whether you are uh quite good at setting boundaries, like Becky said that I am, that's such a good compliment, thank you, or you are maybe more of a people pleaser and you have a hard time setting those boundaries and you're going to start trying it for the first time, I just want to talk about how hard that can be for not only yourself, but for the people around you. I find often if you are a people pleaser and if it's always been your goal to make other people happy around you, as soon as you start setting those boundaries, you might get a little bit of backlash for that, right? Because the people that you've surrounded yourself with are used to you always saying yes. And as soon as you start saying no, that can be a difficult experience for those around you. I'm wondering if either of you have had any experience with that or if you have any tips or tricks of kind of how to navigate the waters of beginning to set those boundaries and work on your people pleasing.
0: I have an example from the workplace of all things. I know which I think (laughs) not from CMHA Um, (laughs) but basically and I think this is kind of actually an important experience to share because there's a bit of a power dynamic right? Especially if this is something with like your manager or, you know, if you're living at home when you're with your parents and you're trying to set like a kind of boundary that helps us. And it was when I first started working, when I left university, university is great at educating you in what subject you're in, but I didn't necessarily learn great skills to help me in the workplace um, on my course. And that meant when I first started working, I was a yes woman anybody could throw a project at me and be like yes even I'm completely overwhelmed it's got nothing to do with my role yes 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 I'll do it I'll stay up all night and work and it, it made me really angry with my workplace it made me really angry with my manager it made me dislike what I was doing as a job and then I was talking with a friend about it and they were like well you're the one who's saying yes. Like, why are you annoyed? Like, you're the one who said, yeah, I'll take that on when you know that you've got too many projects already. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a hard truth to hear is like, oh, actually, like, I'm kind of angry with myself, not with my workplace. So my friend was pretty good with their boundaries already. So it was like, yeah, we'll just have a practice conversation, which we did. And then I... I think it was like the next week I was asked if I could do something and it was kind of outside of my remit of my role. And my response was, sorry, I'm not able to do that. And I was like sweating as I said it. Like, I immediately, like, the words came out of my mouth a little, like, thankfully because of those practices. But as soon as it came out, like, my heart was racing, and my hands were so clammy. Like, I was so panicked at what that, what the response was going to be. And my manager was a little bit taken aback, I think, because it was her first time I'd said, "Oh, I'm not able to do that." And they were like, "Yeah, that's fine." And I was like, "Oh, i c- I can set boundaries. Like like it was a fair thing for me to say because it wasn't part of my role. So saying, "Sorry, I'm not able to do that was more than a good enough answer. I was like, "Oh, like
1: this could change my life. This boundaries <laughs> thing. this is great. I love the fact that you mentioned that you had those practice conversations ahead of time. Boundaries are really, really difficult and starting to practice having a conversation that is about boundaries with someone that you trust is a really great way to start. Sonia, have you had any negative experiences um, where you've tried to set a boundary and someone did not react the way that you would like them to in regards to people-pleasing? I actually
2: have indeed, Olivia. I recently, actually just a few months ago, I have a friend who I've set a really high standard of always being emotionally available for them. Any hour of the day, uh, if they need to talk, I'm always there. But it did get to a point where I realized actually as much as they need and they deserve so much help, I also deserve my own time and I deserve to prioritize my own emotions sometimes. But it had been such a long term, I'm talking years, of a consistent response from me that I think for them, when I finally said, look, I'm really sorry, I don't actually have the time to talk right now, um, they saw it as me pushing them away or me rejecting them, which then obviously is, ironically, me facing all my biggest fears. I'm disappointing someone. I'm letting them down. I'm hurting their feelings. I feel a huge sense of responsibility for their feelings. However, actually, within a few weeks... It it normalized and actually it's now become part of our relationship. And if anything, I'd say we've grown closer and actually our relationship's grown healthier. So I think it was a really good learning experience for me to face some of those repercussions of my people pleasing and, and my fears surrounding that. But also for my my friendship. It actually benefited my friendship. So I think sometimes it's important to look not only at how your people pleasing is damaging you, but how it's preventing other relationships in your life from developing. You know, if you can't admit to people enough is enough and you can't admit when you're hurting, you're going to build that resent and build actually a boundary and almost like a brick wall between you and them. So I was
1: really, really pleased with that in the long run. Thank you so much for sharing that experience, Sonia. That's I think so many of our listeners can relate exactly to that. Finally, stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something that you know is going to help your wellness and then receiving some backlash, which can be really tough and not as affirming as we want it to be. So then working through those feelings and allowing time to work its way.
0: Yeah, and I think in the meantime of... You know, setting that boundary and maybe that friend being taken aback, and like Sonia said, all of her fears almost being realised or just like trying to manage that. That's where self compassion comes in to help us with those really tough moments where maybe things didn't go exactly how we had hoped. Maybe we hate people being upsetters and a person became upsetters. Self compassion is going to be really key and is being able to manage that is be. Able- being able to be kind to ourselves and be able to like learn and grow from these experiences.
1: We've spoken about self-compassion before on this podcast, and we also gave an example a little bit earlier about an act of self-compassion, that criticism versus affirmation list that Sonia was so awesome to bring along. Another thing that is a really great tool to practice self-compassion is giving yourself daily affirmations so when you wake up whether it's saying it to yourself whether it's writing it down whether it's putting a reminder on a sticky note on your fridge or something like that setting the tone for your day and saying writing something like I am worthy or I am a good friend I am strong giving yourself that validation and that positive feedback that you really truly do deserve
0: yeah, and another really great way of showing that self-compassion to ourselves through some pretty tough times and trying to manage things like conflict is asking yourself, in this situation, what would I tell a friend if they told me this is what they were experiencing? And listening to your response of what you would tell a friend and then saying, okay, I'm going to apply that to myself. That's how what I'm going to say to myself so, like, for example, like, really basic example is I knock over a, a jug of water just as I'm about to have dinner. If What I would say to my friend who did that, I'd be like, oh, it's no biggie. Like, it's water. Like, we'll just dry it up and we'll move on with the evening. Like, nobody's hurt. Nobody's offended. However, what I would actually say to myself usually without self-compassion is, that's it, you've ruined dinner. Like, this is the end of the evening. You've annoyed everybody. You've created such an inconvenience. And then I get stuck on it. And then I can't carry on with the rest of my evening. So taking time to say, okay, what would I actually even say to a friend? And then applying it to ourselves. And sometimes I have to really repeat something to myself Sometimes I have to really repeat, like, it's okay. it's just a jug of water. It's just a small inconvenience. It can be cleared up and then just keep on repeating it to kind of really help it sink in so that I'm like, okay, I'm being kind to myself. I'm being compassionate to myself. I'm going to learn and grow from this. Like, it's not perfect. It's not
2: ideal, but it's a learning curve. That's a great point. Thanks for that, Becky. I think that there's something that I would really, really like to emphasize while I'm here using this microphone. um, And that is that the cold hard reality is if you feel like this podcast has resonated with you and you think actually people pleasing is a problem for me, you have to take accountability and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. The hardest thing for someone who's a people pleaser is to say, okay, I'm going to stop pleasing people and focus on myself. It feels unnatural. It feels scary. It induces a lot of fear. But you really just have to take ownership and realize that you owe it to yourself just as much as you owe it to please anybody else. And I think that some self-discipline is involved. So hopefully you'll try a few of these techniques
1: that we've mentioned or maybe take a look online. But yeah, it's really important. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sonia. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast, and we hope that you can come back and talk to us again soon. No, thank you so much for inviting me.
2: I've had a great time, and I always learn so much from you guys, so it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Oh, thanks. And thanks for listening.
0: Thank you again everybody for listening to our podcast today and also a huge shout out as always to Matt, the bearded leader from Staples Studio for letting us use their podcast booth again. Let's all just appreciate these great sound effects.
1: I love it. (laughs) All right, uh,
0: we're off, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Thanks again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.